so exciting to be here. Welcome. We're, we're so happy that you've joined us today. This is great, right? Like, thank you for joining us online, but also look at all these people here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So exciting to be in person with you and, and also to be online. It's just so great, you know, to be here. And, you know, Eric and I, were so excited to bring you a, word, a message from God's Word tonight, you know, preaching uh, and talking about the book of Philippians where we've actually been talking uh, the sermon series called Unchained. And so we're excited to be uh, sharing with you about that. And this week, we're especially excited because we get to talk about how to know Christ and really how to maybe grow in him and really what it means to know Christ. And we wanna go with you on a journey to walk through, to experience about the next 30 minutes, to really experience what Paul was feeling, to really understand what he was, what he was writing and to experience Christ in a whole new way. We wanna take you on a journey through the first 11 verses of Philippians chapter three. And I believe in these verses, we really get to find out what it means to know Christ. So if you have your Bibles, uh, open up to Philippians chapter three. And in the past few weeks, you know, Holland and, and Brad and Trevor, they've done just an amazing job, you know, getting us up to this point where we're gonna be picking it up in uh, Philippians three. And I always think it's a great reminder to really uh, see where the author is, is writing from and, and really give us a perspective of where he's at in his life so we can really give ourselves a perspective of where we're at in our lives. For sure. And, and let's not forget that Paul is writing this letter while he's in prison. Like, that's incredible in itself. It's like, you know, hey, what are you going to do? Write a letter, right? And so he's writing this letter, but he's writing this to, uh, to these people, these believers in Philippi, and they're actually part of a pretty prosperous Roman colony right now. So, like, economically, they're doing pretty well, right? And he's writing this letter for, for several reasons. Uh, he wants to encourage them. Uh, he wants to thank them and inform them of where he's currently at. But specifically in chapter 3, he wants to warn them. And, and that's what Paul is doing here in chapter three. And specifically, he's warning them of these Judaizers or legalists. And we believe that through these 11 verses in chapter three, that Paul has a lot to teach us and we can draw a lot from it today. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, picking up in Philippians chapter three, starting in verse one, it says, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. You know, here's a man who is in prison and, and he's, he's thrown in prison for his faith and he's, and he's telling us to rejoice in the Lord. And you know, as I was sitting, um, studying and, and thinking about, you know, what, what we were gonna share today, I had to look at my own perspective. You know, I really had to look at, geez, sometimes I complain or I get frustrated with things going on around me and I find it hard to rejoice. But here, Paul is a man and he's in prison for his faith and he's telling us, to rejoice. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, like, it's crazy. He's saying rejoice. And yeah. I, I'll tell you, Adam, like I am, I'm with you. Yeah. Like on the complaining side, I don't know about you guys or anybody watching online, but like if you were to rank me on, on a scale for complaining, I'd probably take the trophy. I'm like, I'm good at <laughs> yeah. that. Like, right? right. Yeah. But Paul is saying rejoice. And I was thinking about this in your life, right? Recently, you've had a situation where Paul would tell you to rejoice, but it was kind of difficult. You want yeah, to share? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to share it. You know, um, you know, a few weeks ago, we put this basketball hoop in our, in our yard, and, and um, it, was, it was awesome for about two weeks. And then a box truck came by. And a box truck came by and ran into the hoop, and there was shattered glass everywhere, and the hoop was standing sideways. And Well, a couple days later, I was out looking at the hoop and trying to figure it out, and our dog got out 
And the dog's running through the neighborhood, and he's, he's running in people's garages and different things like that. And as we're, we're trying to get the dog rounded up, um, my sons are riding their bikes, and my son ran, must have been looking down, and he ran right in to a fairly new Honda Accord. And he, and he, and he put oh, no. a scratch, and not only a scratch, but a dent oh. in it about two feet long. And, and, and as this was happening, I'm thinking, man, we're preparing for this message And Paul is telling me to rejoice, (laughs) rejoice in these circumstances. And you know, as as we move into chapter four later on, he tells us to rejoice always. I will say it again, rejoice. And I think this is the first step um, that we really need to reflect on and really take inventory about, you know, our lives and how we are really rejoicing. Yeah, for sure. And, And I believe this leads us right into the second half of verse one, where Paul goes on to say, it is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. My first question is like, wait, what? How many times has he wrote this to these people? Like, how many times do these people have to be told the same things over and over again before they start listening? But then I started thinking, I was like, well, how many times do I have to be told the same thing before I start listening. And then I took it a little easier on, the, on the, the people of Philippi here. But like Paul is saying, hey, this is a good thing. This is positive for you guys. And he's writing this book because it is a safeguard for us, right? This book of the Bible is a safeguard both morally and theologically. Like it alerts us to corrections that we need to make in, in our actions, in our thoughts, in our attitudes. And Paul is prepping us for his warning, right? We haven't even got to the warning part here. He's just saying, hey, rejoice. This is safeguard. Okay, here it is, right? And he goes on in verse two and he says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. Yeah, and what, what, is, what is Paul really saying here? You know, who are these dogs that, that he's talking about? You know, these dogs were likely, uh, these evildoers were, were likely Judaizers, Jewish Christians who wrongly believed that uh, it was essential for the Gentiles to follow Old Testament Jewish laws, especially submission to the rite of circumcision in order to receive salvation. You know, and many of these Jewish Christians were motivated by, by spiritual pride because they had invested so much effort and time in keeping their laws. You know, they couldn't accept the fact that all of their efforts couldn't bring them a step closer to salvation. You see, they were pursuing the wrong thing. They were focused on the law rather than focused on Christ and what he really did for us. Yeah, and, and a great example of that is, is some of the things that we're walking through today, right? In student ministry, we've had the opportunity to bring some students here to our church in person outside. And let's be honest, uh, middle schoolers aren't super great at staying six feet apart, right? Like, that's not going to happen very easily. And so we could have very easily focused on that and really got caught up in that instead of focusing on the importance of bringing them together to learn more about Jesus. And see, Paul is teaching these people the same exact thing. He's saying, hey, focus on the right thing, right? And he continues in verse four, right? Let's not forget that he talks about this confidence, 
that yeah, he has. Absolutely. You know, and, and here's, here's really where, where it starts to get really good. You know, you know when I was younger, um, I used to watch a lot of uh, NBA basketball games, and I used to love how the guys, the NBA players, they would talk in one another's ear, you know, about how much better they would, they would do a lot of trash talking about, they would tell each other how much better they were. Well, you know, here's really where, where Paul does his trash talking. In verse four, it says, if someone thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, Paul says, I have more. And then in the next couple uh, verses here, he backs up his trash talking. He says, uh, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. You see, Paul's saying that nobody has kept the law better. Hmm. He says, I'm faultless. In the religious world, Paul was at the top of his game. And Paul teaches us in this moment to turn our focus to Christ. Wow. Like that's, that's a big deal. Like, and then it's challenging, right? And, and if we first read through this at first glance, it almost looks like Paul is boasting about his achievements, but he's really not. He's actually doing the exact opposite. He's actually saying, hey, no matter how great the achievements, none of that can earn salvation, right? Yeah. And, and Paul, Paul had the achievements, right? Like he, he had all of these amazing credentials, his upbringing, you know, his family, his nationality, uh, you know, his inheritance, orthodoxy, like the list goes on and on about all of these amazing achievements that, that Paul had. But, but he's teaching us here that none of those things matter, right? None of them. And the only way to salvation is through God's grace. You see, even, even the most amazing achievements in life fall short of God's glorious standard. And so I want to ask you guys, like, is there any area of your life where you're relying on your deeds or your family upbringing or your church affiliation or any of these things to earn salvation? Because we've got to refocus. We've got to turn our focus to Christ because that is the only place that faith comes from is through Christ. And we must turn our focus to him. Absolutely, Eric. You know, when we wake up in the morning, you know, we need to, we need to seek him. You know, when we journey through our day, we have a difficult time at work and, and we've kind of struggled, we need to really pause and ask him, you know, for guidance. When we come home and we're tired and we don't have any strength left to give our kids, we really need to ask him for the strength to get us through. You see, when we start to turn our focus to Christ, all of a sudden, uh, if we start to turn our focus to Christ in all of our situations and circumstances, all of a sudden, he starts to renew our minds and he really starts to change our hearts. And people actually start noticing the difference in our lives and the joy that's on our face. We start reflecting Christ within our community and we, we all of a sudden become the hands and feet of Christ. And all of a sudden, our lives are transformed within the church, within our community, and around the world because we have chosen to focus on Christ in everyday life. Focus on Christ. See the difference that it makes. We have seen, you know, over the last couple months of doing our online services, you know, we have seen uh, amazing stories. But one story is, is a lady who watched, started watching our online services, and she had never stepped foot inside of this building. 
And she watched for about six or eight weeks. And after that, she had made a decision to be baptized in him. And the very first time that she stepped into this building was when she walked in here and walked over to the tank and got baptized in him. Praise the Lord. And I want you to know that we're not boasting about what Valley Real Life has done, but we're really talking about what Christ has done in each one of our hearts and minds during this difficult season. Yeah, and what I love about hearing stories like that is usually someone gets invited or, or asked to come in or asked to tune in. And really what that comes down to is somebody had to have a Christ-like perspective in order to do that. And, and we believe that Paul is teaching us that in this yeah. set of scripture is that we are supposed to have a Christ-like perspective. But I mean, hey, that's easy, right? Like, yeah. like we're all done, we're wrapped up, piece of cake? Yeah, piece yeah. Of cake. No, no, right? It's difficult. Uh, my first question is like, what is a Christ-like perspective? What is it? But I believe that, that Paul teaches us a glimpse of what a Christ-like perspective is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. It says, for we live by faith and not by sight. See, Paul is teaching us here to focus on eternity, focus on eternal things, focus on Jesus and our life with Jesus. Don't focus on the chaos of this moment or the chaos of today, but focus on Jesus. And I don't know about you guys, but my perspective has been all over the map the last three to four (laughs) months. I mean, right? Like I used to be like, okay, okay. This week, I have good perspective. I'm having a solid week. It's feeling good. Next week, it's like, ah, this is a rough week. And then like, once we got into the stay-at-home order, it went to like day by day. It was like, all right, Monday, solid, loving it. Monday is good. Tuesday, terrible. I got to get rid of Tuesday. Got to move on, right? And then it slowly started shifting, and my perspective started changing hour by hour. It was like from 12 to 1, I'm eating lunch, and I'm like, hey, I'm generally happy. I am pretty good. Feeling good, you know? Eating. And then from one to two, I started thinking about like all the things that I felt like I lost, like my friendships, like I can't go see my friends and everything. And so then I got really emotional and sad. And then, and then from two to three, I started getting mad because I'm like, I don't know what we're going to do. Like, how are we going to make it through this? And like my perspective has been all over the place. And really, Paul is saying, have a Christ-like perspective. And so we need to turn our focus to Christ through these times. And, and, and I kind of feel like maybe pre-2020, things were going pretty well. Like I'm like, hey, things in my life are good. I've got a lot of stuff. Like I feel like things are okay. You know, I'm focusing on my achievements. But Paul is teaching us like, hey, we, we should not focus on those things, right? He continues yeah. on in verse seven and he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, Paul says it's all rubbish. All the great things that he accomplished, you know, his, his family, the knowledge that he had, he says it's all garbage compared to knowing Christ. He says, you take everything from me. You, you, you kill me and take away everything. And that's actually better for me. 
You you kill me and that's actually better for you. He says you allow me to, to live and that's good too. You do anything to me and I'm actually happy because because I have Christ and my life is centered on Christ. What what an amazing perspective that Paul had. You know, is is that the perspective that we have today? Is that the way that we live our day to day lives? Or as Eric mentioned, is that the way that we live hour by hour, maybe minute by minute? knowing that if something bad happens to us, if if something painful happens to us, if someone actually killed us for our faith, that we would actually still win because we gain Christ. And that if we have Christ and that we would have Christ through it all, that no matter what, our lives are centered on him, to know him, to become like him, and to really allow him to change us into the people that he really wants us to be. Easier said than done, right? How do, how do we really do this? How do, we, how do we do this in our lives? Well, we can spend regular time with him. You know, we can set up a regular time with Christ to, to get into God's word, to, to journal. We can get involved in, in church. We can uh, start serving Christ. And, and as we serve Christ, our perspective begins to change. You know, we be, begin to have an eternal perspective rather than a secular perspective. You know, maybe we can get connected into a small group uh, or into a men's group, a women's group, maybe a recovery group. But God starts changing our hearts and our minds as we uh, study his word and really connect with other believers. He heals us from our old ways and our, and our habits, and he starts making us more and more like him as he really gives us this eternal perspective. And in these 11 verses, Paul is teaching us to to focus on Christ, to have an eternal perspective, but he really wraps up his main point here in, in this warning in verses 10 and 11. And the main point is this, to know Christ. Like that's what it's all about. It comes down to that right there, to know Christ. And in verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ. It's this deep emotional connection, this understanding. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Like, that's powerful, but I mean, let's not forget the words that he, he spoke to us up to this point, right? He's saying, hey, don't focus on your human achievements. Focus on Christ. He's saying, hey, don't let these rules and these laws divide you, Saying that's not what it's all about. Like how many times have you, have you gotten in an argument with a friend and maybe you lost contact with that friend for years because of some little disagreement? I think back and I'm like, I don't even remember why we aren't talking to each other. Paul is saying, stop it. Stop with all of this division. Stop mm. dividing yourselves because of these laws and these rules. Stop it. It comes all the way down to knowing Christ. That's what, it ma- that's what matters. Nothing else matters. Knowing Christ. And he's telling these people and he's teaching us in this passage to focus on Christ because that's what it's about. It's not about the division. Yeah. It's about knowing Christ. Yeah, yeah. And Paul wants to know, you know, Paul is saying that he wants to know Christ on a deep, deep level. He wants to know the power of Christ's resurrection and, and, you know, and he wanted to participate in his sufferings. Paul wanted to suffer for Christ. 
You see, Paul knew that dying to himself and living for Christ was far better than living for himself and dying for Christ. Paul knew that dying to himself and living for Christ was far better than living for himself and dying to Christ. Paul wanted to experience a deep, personal relationship with Christ, sharing in his suffering and understanding the power of his resurrection. How about us today? Do we wanna know Christ on this deep of a level? When you wake up in the morning in a bad mood and you're running late and you're trying to get the kids ready for school or maybe, maybe on your way to school, someone cuts you off on the freeway as you're, as you're headed to work. Right, like in all of these situations, are you focused on Christ, right? I want to focus on Christ. And I wanna focus on Christ. You know, you're on the verge of maybe losing a friend because of a small disagreement or, you know, you've been battling guilt and shame because of some of the decisions maybe that you've made. Now, these are real life scenarios and through this it's difficult, but do you want to have a Christ-like perspective and do you have a Christ-like perspective? I want to have a Christ-like perspective. I want to have a Christ-like perspective. Do you feel like, like there's something missing in your life that you've been searching for all the wrong places? Or maybe, maybe you've been coming to church or, or watching church online and doing all the right things, but you still feel disconnected? Or maybe you followed Jesus for a long, long time, many years and years, but your relationship has stayed the same? Now, whether you currently have a relationship with Jesus or not, or, or whether you're a young believer, or maybe you've been a believer for many, many years, it comes down to, do you want to know Christ on this deep, deep level? Like, I think about it in my own life. I want to know Christ. Yeah, I want to know Christ. I want to share in his sufferings today. I want to know the power of his resurrection I want to know him on such a deep level that I feel the pain of him being nailed to the cross for our sins. And I want to receive and feel the power of his spirit. I want to participate with him in the work that he's doing. I want to know Christ. How about you? Do you want to know Christ? In your life, how can you know Christ more and more? How can you feel the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings? You know, it's our prayer here and mine and Eric's prayer, you know, at Valley Real Life, that you would continue to grow and know Christ more and more. Let's pray. Father, we just, God, we just thank you first, God, that we could just come together on a Thursday evening and just, and just be here in person and be online with you. And God, we just pray that in each of our lives, God, that you would help us to grow and to know you more. God, we pray that you would help us to focus on you. God, we pray that you would change our perspective. And Father, whatever our relationship with Christ is today, God, we pray that you would grow that, that you would help us to know you more and more. And Father, if there is somebody that doesn't know you, God, we pray that the seed would be planted right now that they would come to know you. God, we give this all to you in faith. And we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen.